the Budget-Minded Traveler podcast, your source for the everyday inspiration and practical tips that make international travel accessible to everyone. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Budget-Minded Traveler podcast. I'm Jackie, and today we are getting into our fifth Ask Jackie session where I take travel questions from you and answer them on the show. Some of these questions are from emails, but most are from the Facebook community. And on that note, if you're not part of the Facebook community, you can easily join if you're on Facebook. It's free. Just go to thebudgetmindedtraveler.com slash community. That'll get you straight there. And also be sure to like the BMT, the Budget Mind Traveler page as well, so that you can stay informed about anything and everything that's going on here at BMT, like Ask Jackie Sessions or meetups or community sourced blog posts. Uh, And then of course, the everyday threads of questions and comments about travel that happen in our community. And speaking of community sourced blog posts, if you don't know what that is, That's when we come up with a subject and ask you for your advice or opinion, and then we put it all together. Most recently, we published a really great resource for the best road trip apps. So if you want to go check that out, go to thebudgetmindedtraveler.com slash road trip to see what I'm talking about. All right. Before we get into today's questions, I want to say these types of questions are exactly the foundation upon which the Budget-Minded Traveler platform was built. My purpose in creating everything on the blog and podcast and in the original book and now the online course is to answer your questions, including the ones that you don't know to ask and to make travel as accessible to you as I can and to give you some courage to get out there and do it. Um, And after preparing for this episode and going through all these questions, it really leads me to one conclusion. If you are one of those people who has a ton of questions about travel or you're not sure where to start, or you think there may be questions that you're not even sure to ask, but you really want to start traveling or continue traveling, even if you've done it before, the Budget Minded Traveler Blueprint which is my online course, is for you. It is the ultimate guide to answering all of these questions, including the ones that you don't know you need to ask. So with that said, I'm going to go ahead and go through some of these today. Uh, But just know that these questions and a whole lot more are answered in depth with resources and video stories and examples in the online course. So if you're finding that you enjoy the answers to these questions, or perhaps these are bringing up more questions for you, seriously, go get the course. It paves the way for you, giving you the information and confidence you need to travel smartly. And you can find that at thebudgetmindedtraveler.com slash blueprint. And if you want to start with a taste of it, you can download my free packing guide on thebudgetmindedtraveler.com. It's on the homepage. It's in all of the sidebars of all the blog posts. It's also on the resources page. So if you go to thebudgetmindedtraveler.com slash resources, um, you'll find a button that says get my free packing guide. So click on that. It is the entire packing section straight out of the course delivered to you for free by email. And hear this, there is a special gift in there for you. Hint, hint. (laughs) Okay, now on to the questions. We are going to start with Alana. Alana says, I have anxiety around navigating the airport by myself. I have only ever had to follow someone else around who knew what they were doing. Could you run through the steps you take in the airport from when you arrive to getting on the plane and also when you arrive in a new city and leave the airport? 
this is a great question. So this depends on if you're arriving internationally or if you're on a layover. So let's just assume a scenario where you're starting at one airport, transferring at another, and then landing in a new country where you have to go through customs. So at your home airport, if you're not already checked in, you first need to find your airline check-in counter or self-check-in kiosk and do that check-in. This is really only necessary if you plan to check a bag and need to drop it because if you are packed in carry-on luggage only, then you can usually check in online ahead of time, which means you can skip the check-in counters altogether and go straight to security because you should already have your boarding pass, whether it's on mobile or if you printed it at home. If you are checked in online and you are also checking a bag, then you do need to stop and find the bag drop, which is with the check-in counters. Sometimes you still need to wait in the check-in line anyway, even just to drop a bag. So this is why it's altogether faster to carry on only and to check in ahead of time. Once you are through security, make sure you know which gate you're heading to. Um, It should say this right on your boarding pass. But if it doesn't, try and find the screens for departure flights. Um, Locate your flight and it'll say which gate you need to go to. If you do not have access to screens for whatever reason, sometimes after security, there aren't any screens, which is really annoying. But um, then there are apps that you can use to find this information. Um, Either the airline app through which you are flying or an app like Flight View Free or TripIt. There are several of these. I use TripIt Pro because it alerts me for gate changes and I can track my entire itinerary in one place. Um, so once you know which gate you're departing from, you need to make your way there. And this may mean getting on a train to a different terminal. Uh, so it's important to know which stop you're getting off at and knowing your gate is going to solve this. And your boarding time should be listed right there on your boarding pass. Uh, It's important that you arrive to your gate by this time, if not earlier. And this is where you can consider how much time you have before boarding. So if you have time to hit the bathroom, grab a coffee or food, it's a good idea to take care of those things before you head to your gate to camp out and wait for boarding. On a layover, on a regular layover, it's the same basic idea. So Identify from your boarding pass, your next boarding pass, uh, or your app, which gate your connecting flight is part is departing from. And then once you get off the plane, check the screens. There are screens all over the airport. Just find them. They're usually, you know, hanging from the ceiling or on some big display right in the middle somewhere. Uh, check those screens as soon as you get off the plane and identify which is, you know, make, your, make sure you're looking at departures and not arrivals and um, identify your flight and it'll have your gate there. And the same principle applies here. Consider how much time you have before boarding, either head straight to your gate or you know, take time to hit a bathroom or grab coffee or food, et cetera. And uh, just make sure that you get there in time to board. Usually I will actually find my gate first because sometimes it takes longer to get across an airport than you might think. So generally my first order of business is finding my gate. And then once I'm there, I know exactly how much time I have until boarding. And so that's when I can take the time to find coffee or whatever I need close by and I won't be late for my boarding. 
On an international layover, you might need to collect and recheck your baggage. Um, Usually when this happens, you are just following the general crowd of people because there's only one way for everyone to go and everyone has to do the same thing. So follow the crowd, follow the specific signs for connections or transfers, pay attention that you're Um, If you're not exiting the airport, you know, if it's not your final destination, that you continue to connections or transfers. And you may need to go through security again. Just pay attention to the flow of people. Don't be afraid to ask anyone around you. And generally, if you have to pick up and recheck your bag, it, it just looks like grabbing it at a baggage claim and then walking it for a short distance and then rechecking it with your same airline. You just kind of drop it off and then you continue to find uh, your next gate. When you arrive in a foreign country that is your destination, as in you're exiting the airport, uh, not transferring for a connection, this is where you're getting out of the airport, then you will first proceed along with everybody else directly to immigration. And this is where you'll wait in line and get your passport stamped before you go to baggage claim. And then if you have a bag to grab, get it. If you don't, then you just continue to exit baggage claim. You'll go through customs. And that is usually where they collect the paper that you filled out on the plane, which is your declarations slip. And sometimes they don't collect it. That's that's kind of random. Um, but this this stop is often accompanied by another x-ray belt and you usually need to put all of your bags on this x-ray belt. And this varies by country, but it's the general process. So I hope that helps. I definitely recommend an app like TripIt. The pro version will keep track of your flights, delays, changes, and alert you even before the airline themselves make the announcement in the airport, I will get a text from TripIt alerting me of gate changes. So I love that. I like staying ahead. Um, That's TripIt Pro. But I also use the FlightView free app. I mentioned that one to track flights and gates, et cetera. And this is especially handy when you're picking someone else up at the airport because you can track them in the air and you can know if they're delayed or on time or landed or what. And on the note of apps. Uh, I have a really great resource of 21 travel apps that I have in my phone and that I recommend you use. Um, and you can find that at the budgetmindedtraveler.com slash resources. You'll see the button there to get the travel apps. And um, that's the same page where you'll find the packing guide that I mentioned in the beginning. And that is really great because it teaches you how to carry on And you can skip all of that baggage stuff that I just went through. Also, I forgot to mention this, but the Budget Minded Traveler has a brand new website design. And so all the more reason to go to the website and check it out. I'd love to hear what you think. So great question. Thank you, Alana, for asking that. Let's move on to the next. I have two questions about vaccines. So I'm going to go ahead and read them both and then we'll get into my answer. Krista says, after researching the recommended vaccinations for your destination, how do you decide which ones to get? Have you ever visited somewhere without a vaccination and suffered the consequences? I'm planning on spending some time in Southeast Asia in the future with no specific idea of what countries I'll be in. So of course, there's a long list of vaccines recommended. I'd rather be safe than sorry, but I'm also trying to stick to my budget. And Alicia says, 
I've been through your website and went to all the links on vaccinations and I'm still a little confused about them. Are routine or recommended vaccines necessary to travel? I want to start traveling internationally and I'm currently planning my first trip to Greece for next year, but I haven't been vaccinated in years. I'm not too keen on the idea of getting vaccinated either. So if these recommended vaccines aren't required, I would like to skip them, but I don't want to be turned away from the country. So I thought I should ask the pro first. Okay. It sounds to me like the entire world of vaccinations, immunizations is just a little bit confusing and I do not blame you for that. Um, So these are good questions and I'm just going to nutshell this answer for you. Required is a big deal. Be sure that you get any required vaccines or you will be turned away if you don't have them. And yes, it has happened to me sort of in an indirect way. Um, It is a long story, (laughs) but that has a great lesson. Um, I'm not going to share that today, but if you are part of the online course, then you do get to hear that story on video. And I will share that the moral of that story, (laughs) well, one of them is to not lose your yellow international certificate of vaccination once you get it. You've probably heard me say that before at some point along the line. It's very important that you not only get the vaccines, but that you have the proof that you have gotten them. (laughs) So please take my word for that. And when you get them, guard that thing, make copies of it, do whatever you can, but do not lose your yellow international certificate of vaccination that proves that you have had the vaccines that you need. So this is what I say generally for the, the, the big immunization question. If you are becoming a world traveler, if you are a frequent traveler, then it is generally a good idea. And please take this, you know, keep in mind, I'm, this is, I'm just a traveler. You don't have to take my word for it. Uh, you should always ask your doctor, but this is my personal opinion is that if you're going to be traveling a lot, you should definitely have the general recommended vaccinations for most travelers in most countries. And this includes all of your routine vaccinations, which means MMR, the measles, mumps, rubella, the tetanus, um, polio, et cetera, the routine ones that generally we're all supposed to have. And then there are also some sort of routine ones for travelers. And this is specifically hepatitis A and typhoid. And these both help you against uh, contaminated food and water. And so you're going to see those on a lot of recommended lists. And so it's really kind of just a good idea to just get those ones done. The next ones that will come after that would be hepatitis B, uh, rabies, and yellow fever. And yellow fever is a really important one to pay attention to because that one can be required. And I'm going to give you an example. Many places in South America will require a yellow fever vaccination if you are going to visit that country from another specified country. Meaning generally, if you're coming from the US and you're going to go straight to Brazil and then you're going to go home to the US, you won't need to show proof of yellow fever. But the minute that you are in Brazil and you try to cross the border into Bolivia, (laughs) guess what? 
you need to show that proof. And if you don't have your yellow certificate of international certificate of vaccination, they're not going to let you on the plane. (laughs) Uh, Not that I know. (laughs) Um, So yeah, the, the required are a big deal. In your case, Krista, since you don't know exactly where you're going to be in Southeast Asia, remember this, that you can get vaccinations overseas. I mean, the US, like home is not the only place that that you can find these vaccinations. And so if you're traveling and you find out that, oh, in order to get into X country, you need to have this vaccination, get it taken care of overseas. You can absolutely do that. Um, just make sure that you have enough time because sometimes there's a quarantine period where you know you have to get the vaccine and then it takes 24 hours or it takes 10 days uh, for it to take effect or something like that. And so just pay attention as you're traveling just constantly be checking the CDC so that you are aware that once you, once you make these plans, even on the road, that you can be prepared to enter the countries that you need to enter and hear that again, check online because don't ever trust a guidebook. Don't ever trust anything in print basically when it comes to this, because these regulations can change literally overnight. And so pay attention to the websites, the the most up-to-date authorities on these things when it comes to vaccinations, because yes, they do matter when they are required. And um, when they are recommended, they're really just a good idea. And so that is up to you in the end. The only time that you will be denied entry is if you have a required vaccination. And, um, the rest is, is your own decision. Risk taking is, is up to you. I hope that helps. And if you want some quick links to all of the pages that can help you with this. So for example, uh, cause the cdc.gov is a bit difficult to navigate. There's a lot of information on there. Um, go to the budgetmindedtraveler.com slash passports, bookmark that page because there are quick links on there to that'll take you straight to the drop down list of countries it'll take you straight to how to find travel clinics near you where you can get these vaccines administered um, and there are also quick links on there for visas and passports and all of that good stuff in one place so the budgetmindedtraveler.com slash passports for easy reference for all of these things great question <laughs> that was a lot but thank you for asking All right. The next question comes from James and he asks, my issue is proof of onward travel. And the problem arises because I do not know when I want to return. I know that I only have 90 days in Schengen, but without, but within that 90 days, I don't yet know about a return date. So what I wanted to do was book a one-way ticket to Paris but they aren't going to let me on the airplane unless I show how I'm leaving Schengen, right? And then a few weeks into my trip, I'd book another one-way ticket back for a date a few weeks later on. And airlines shouldn't care about that since I'm a US citizen returning home. So what do I do? And he lists some options here, but before I get into what he thinks he should do and what I think about that, um, I want to make sure you guys understand what proof of onward travel is. This is a really great question. So thank you, James, for bringing it up. First of all, proof of onward travel means that 
you can prove to the immigration officer upon arrival into a country that you will in fact be leaving that country within the legal allowed time frame. For example, the UK allows US citizens six months. And if they ask for proof of onward travel, when you show up with your passport, it means you have to show proof of a ticket of some sort that shows your departure from the UK before your six months is up. And James uses Schengen as the example. Schengen is tricky. And there is a whole section dedicated just to the Schengen zone in my online course. But in a nutshell, the Schengen area, the Schengen zone is a group of countries in Europe that share border laws. So essentially, if you land in Italy, you can travel to Germany and you won't get stopped at the border. That's the idea. In the Schengen area, you only have 90 days as a visitor. And so that's what James is talking about here. He is worried that he's going to have to prove uh, his onward travel and he doesn't have that yet. And before we go back to his options, I will also say this. Um, In most cases, getting out while you're still legal is entirely up to you. No one is holding your hand and making sure that you are taking responsibility for yourself. So if you have three months or six months to get out of a place, make sure that you're out within that time because the problems will come after that. If you get caught having overstayed your visa, then you will face repercussions. And this could be a fine. This could mean deportation. This could mean a big red mark on your passport not literally, but within the system. Um, This could mean not being welcomed back into a country or a region. It could also just mean a slap on the wrist and you're on your way. I actually don't know what this might entail for you. Um, And I also think that it could strongly have to do with what side of the bed the immigrations officer woke up on that morning. I have had two close run-ins of overstaying visas and though neither were particularly pretty, uh, neither of them had lasting effects on me. And in my 15 years of independent travel, I've never been disallowed entry to anywhere for lack of proof of onward travel. I've done a lot of overland travel Um, a lot of one-way travel. But the only times that I've ever been asked to prove onward travel, I have had the proof with me. And generally that is a plane ticket sometime far in the future. And to be honest, I think that that's only happened maybe once or twice ever in the 15 years that I've been doing this. I've never had to have an emergency plan. And remember, this is my experience This does not guarantee that it won't be different for you. But in general, because it is up to you to abide by the law, they don't police it that closely. For example, you should not have a problem buying a one-way ticket to Europe, even within the Schengen area. The airline only cares if you need a particular visa for your destination. What I mean by that is if you try to board a flight to Brazil, for example, from the U.S., You absolutely can be denied entry before you even get on the plane if you don't have the visa already issued in your passport. However, regarding the length of stay in a destination um, that doesn't require a special visa, the airline doesn't really care. That's up to you. 
And most of the time, the incoming immigrations officer won't care either. Although they're almost certain to ask you verbally as you go through immigrations, how long you plan to stay. Um, So be prepared to answer that. Uh, But, you know, just tell them your plan. They shouldn't have a reason to disbelieve you. And it's on you if you overstay. Does that make sense? The only thing is it is a good idea to do your research ahead of time. And this is the same sort of information that you can find by uh, going to the budgetmindtraveler.com slash passports. That page will have, a, is it, there's a quick link there for visas and you can look up the country that you're going to and see what they require for time uh, allotment and if you need to get a special visa beforehand or on arrival etc. And it will also tell you there if the country requires, so if the country requires proof of onward travel, it's just that whether or not they implement it is a different story. So you can see it online. If they require proof of onward travel, be prepared for it, but you might not have to use it. So let's go back to James's options and we'll go through some scenarios of this. First of all, the first question that he had asked was that he wanted to book a one-way ticket to Paris, but he was worried that they weren't going to let him on the airplane unless he shows that he's leaving the Schengen zone. And uh, that's that I have never experienced that being truth before. Um, they, you, you're welcome to fly there on a one-way ticket. In all of my experience, I've never heard of them turning away anybody for having just a one-way ticket. Now he says... Option one, booking the cheapest round trip flight and then paying the change fee plus the change in fare. Uh, actually, that yeah, a difference in fare to change it to a later date, which is pricey. Um, you can absolutely do this. That's a that's a very legit option. It you will pay for the change fee, which is probably going to be about two hundred dollars per airline, <laughs> um, and then also a difference of fare fee. So that does get expensive. And then your option two was before I leave the U.S., book a cheap one-way flight using Ryanair or EasyJet from the Schengen area to somewhere outside of the Schengen area and then either using it or discarding it. And then he says, but this ticket should work as proof of onward travel, right? So yeah, actually that totally is legit. There was, um, I do remember one trip I was on where I was a little bit worried about this and I was looking at Ryanair and EasyJet flights and I found one that was like, 14 euros to Morocco. And you know what? I never even bought it, but I had done the research thinking I'm going to buy this just in case I need to use it for proof of onward travel, because guess what? It was 14 euros. I mean, there are, especially if you're looking in advance, um, there are definitely options of pretty cheap flights that you would be able to find from anywhere in the Schengen zone to outside of the Schengen zone. And you could grab one of those just to show proof that you are leaving within three months, just in case you ever need it. And then you don't have to use it if, you know, as long as you make another plan, because you probably will. Um, So yeah, that's a good option. And I'll go ahead and add to that, that even if you've done the research and you have, for example, a screenshot of that flight on your phone, you could even just whip that out and show the customs officer and say, this is the flight I'm taking. And even if it's not confirmed, um, that might work. That was, that was my plan B a lot of times and I never had to use it. So if that works, great. If not, you didn't hear it from me. 
Okay. James's option three was before I leave the US, booking a train ticket out of Schengen and again, use it or discard it. Absolutely. Train ticket, same thing. It might actually be cheaper to buy a flight (laughs) depending on how far in advance you are um, and for ease of use because sometimes those train websites, especially internationally, can be a bit confusing. Uh, And so, yeah, I do recommend looking at Ryanair and EasyJet for those super cheap, you know, discardable, disposable options for proof of onward travel. And this goes for other countries as well. So for example, sometimes Costa Rica can be tricky about land border crossings. And, uh, you know, it really, it depends on the day. It depends on the immigration's officer, but sometimes they'll say, Hey, you need to prove this. And, you know, literally you can just walk next door to the bus station window and buy a bus ticket for $6 and come back and say, okay, I have proof of onward travel. Um, and whether you're going to use it or not, you know, so, so do keep that in mind. You can get those, uh, in, in Europe, the cheap flights are a good option, but in other places, the cheap buses are going to be much better. And the last option that James writes is option four. Finally, I have an option I have only seen once mentioned, and that is 24 hours before my one-way departure flight using one of these services, either best onward ticket or fly onward. They effectively book you a ticket somewhere, you print it out as proof, and within 24 hours, they cancel it. And in the meantime, you can show the airline the ticket, they let you on the plane, and you don't have to remember to cancel it. I have never heard of these services, and I, I so I can't speak to them. I'm going to go back to the the airplane is not the one who really matters. Um, it's, it's the immigrations officer. So if you're going to do your 24 hours, do it right. And yes, technically any... A flight that you purchase is cancelable within the first 24 hours. That's a rule in the United States at least. And so if if you were within the 24 hours, you could always do that. And basically what you're suggesting is that these companies do it for you without having to remember to do it yourself. I cannot speak for those companies. So I'm just going to let you go ahead and decide whether you would want to use those yourself um, or, you know, buy a, a flight and cancel it within 24 hours yourself. Or if you want to, um, you know, grab a cheap bus ticket the day of. And remember, it doesn't have to be from exactly where you are. You could buy a bus ticket that's three countries away and it still shows them, oh, they're going to be in this other country within three months from now. Or, you know, and so think bigger when you're, when you're trying to work on these plan B situations, they don't have to be something that's that's close to you. They could just be a cheap flight from Dublin to, you know, uh, the UK, which is outside the Schengen zone. So you never know. Um, do your research and the risk is up to you. But yeah, generally it's not super policed, but that's a personal experience question. So I hope that was helpful, you guys. <laughs> I feel kind of like my brain is fried, so I can only imagine what yours must feel like. Um, so I'm actually going to stop this episode here and we will continue with some more questions in the next episode. We'll do another Ask Jackie right after this one because there are several more questions to answer. So 
for now, thanks to everyone who submitted questions and uh, you can find lots of answers in the Budget Minded Traveler blueprint. Grab the free packing guide at thebudgetmindedtraveler.com slash resources for a special gift there. And join us in the Budget Mind Traveler community on Facebook to get more of your questions answered by a lot more brains than just mine. That is the beauty of our community. As always, you can find the show notes for this episode at thebudgetmindedtraveler.com slash 84. Until next time, thanks for listening. Stay safe and happy travels. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.